0: Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Your host, Steve Hudgens is a licensed professional counselor, and your co-host, Julia Canton, is a therapeutic coach. Together, they discuss various topics, providing a different perspective on life and insight that you are not alone. On a non-emergency basis, you may contact them at area code 918 280-8690 or CoachSoul.com to provide them with new topics, feedback, or to request an appearance on the show. And now, here's your host, Steve Hudgens.
1: What a great month. April showers bring May flowers. And you know, uh, Mother's Day is coming up and uh, it's the second Sunday in May, And, you know, sometimes I try to tell men, especially in my couple sessions, do you know what's happening in a couple of weeks? And they're like, uh, so they're so (laughs) disorganized in their thought and I have to help them with the disorganization of their thought. And what a great segue to talk about disorganized (laughs) attachment. How do you like my
0: introduction? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, well, I, I think that. They are. I, I'm just going to leave it this way, Steve. It was a great way to look at disorganized, but I think that disorganized lives and disorganized attachment might be slightly different.
1: <laughs> See, that's I knew there was a reason why I have you as a co host because you always keep me straight, and that's okay too, because <laughs> sometimes I can be a little disorganized. So Yes, you are absolutely correct. There are different uh, di- disorganized thoughts and attachment styles. But what is an attachment? Uh, you know, we talked about attachment styles, and this is our last one that we're going to talk about, and we'll start some new series going forward. But with when you have a person who is has a disorganized style, they have a very strong desire uh, for an intimate connection. And, but mm-hmm. what happens is they put walls out to protect themselves from getting hurt. And so it becomes a, an attachment style that's characterized by fear, mistrust, and inner conflict that in my belief system, if I studied this correctly, I believe from disorganized attachment and the way it's built. And you can expound on this is we get mm-hmm. personality disorders like borderline and narcissism. What do you, mm-hmm. what do you, what yes. are your thoughts?
0: Well, I think so. And I, I mean, I, I fully agree. It's not a think. I fully agree that that is going to be the, the number one indicator of an insecure attachment, uh, which we know is the anxious and the disorganized attachment styles, um, that they lead to other disorders um, because of the organization that was needed, the security, the safety mechanisms, the dependency Um, that that is built in child that should be built, you know, so I use that word should that ideally, let me try that should be built up in childhood is not. And and so this child develops coping mechanisms that are typically unhealthy, that are continued to that get continuously used into adulthood, whether it is helpful to their lives or not. And with disorganized attachment styles specifically, I and this is why I think that bipolarism or uh, narcissistic behaviors um, or diagnoses come into play. And there's a whole list of other ones I think that we could add sure. here. That when you're dealing with disorganized attachment styles, you're looking at avoidant and ambivalent behaviors uh, and relationships, uh, feel uh, feelings of fear. Um, anger, sadness, um, trouble trusting others or yourself. Okay, uh, feelings of uh, being unworthy to have love. So even if you have a desire to have it, you lack the, the the feelings that would foster that kind of relationship that would be healthy. And then I love this one: impulsive and unpredictable, uh, predictable behaviors. Um, a lot of the, um, the, uh, addictions, and I'm thinking specifically right now, um, of food addictions. Okay. If we're looking at gambling, addictions, shopping, um, drug and alcohol, of course, maybe, but another one, it would be sexual addictions. They're unpredictable and, um, and very impulsive in nature. So to and, add and- to what, so, yes. so, to
1: add what you're saying, when we say addiction, that mm-hmm. is what I call an unhealthy coping mechanism. Yes, and that's not, that's an unhealthy coping mechanism that we need to look at. How do we have better coping skills because we lack that due to what has happened to us in childhood? Mm-hmm. And you know what causes that is that uh, children grow up feeling afraid of the same person they're seeking love and care from Mm -hmm. and affects the way they view their close relationships as they're adults. And that's that push-pull relationship they had growing up that also leads into the borderline, the narcissist of the Mm push-pull relationships. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I would also add here too, Steve, because uh, I think it might be relevant that out of all the four attachment styles that are present, I do believe that disorganized may very well be the uh, the one that is the hardest to train out of or shift behaviors out of because it does um, tend to come with other mental illness diagnoses that, that the other ones may or may not have. And, and, and because they have such an issue of trusting anybody, they, they learn that what they say or what they feel or what they experience has to be right, even though there is this uh, immense conflict going on inside. And, and so it, It's the one that I think that whereas before in other recordings, I said, you know, you don't just because you have this diagnosis of attachment, this particular attachment style in childhood doesn't mean that you have to, that it's going to stay with you in adulthood if you do your work. The problem is, is that I don't see many people that have disorganized attachment styles wanting to do their work because they are dependent on themselves and the pain of others. They take a certain enjoyment or pleasure out of seeing someone else fail or fall. Um, and and I'm not quite sure how to navigate that specifically. Do you have any insight from your world that... I, I-
1: I think it's understanding what what are the signs of a disorganized attachment and and you're right it's the most challenging and difficult to work through because you you have this extreme need for closeness but then it's coupled with the tendency to avoid closeness and pushing mm-hmm. away right? and so if your relationship is chaotic and unpredictable or your uh, your relationships are intense with different patterns and behaviors of, of yourself or this other person. That is another sign of a disorganized attachment, and it becomes it, it stems from a negative self image and low self worth. That there is this fear of the caregivers or partners, mm-hmm. and then when that's fear, what does fear turn into? Sometimes fear can turn into aggressive behavior. Whether it's towards your uh, caregiver or your partner. And that's where you have uh, sometimes your elders' abuse. We don't, we don't mm-hmm. talk much mm-hmm. about uh, the elderly people getting abused by people, you know, from their family members because of a disorganized attachment. Mm-hmm. And the, the other part of the attachment is the deep rooted shame that also has depression anxiety with it because they feel unlovable or inadequate or unworthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think those,
0: I, go, go ahead. I'm so sorry. I just, no, I was go. just
1: going to say that's, that's where I'm looking at the, these are the difficulties from a disorganized attachment. And I was going to ask you, was there anything else that you think that we left out that we can probably uh, dive in a little bit more?
0: Well, I, I think that and thank you for that opportunity. I think I would really like to give an example of what this might look like. Um, and from a personal experience. Mm. And sometimes we share those things. Sometimes we do not in our podcast. But um, the people that I'm going to use in this scenario, I'm going to use their names because they've passed on. So they're not going to care one way or the other. But Um, When I was 14, um, I had been in a grooming situation where my dad's best friend had been grooming me for years. At 14, he persuaded me to run away with him. Um, I was moving from intense sexual child abuse in in my childhood from multiple uh, perpetrators And so what he saw was from his very, very disorganized attachment style and very narcissistic behaviors. I'm sure that he had a whole host Mm. of other diagnoses that we didn't know about, but this one of the meanest people didn't know it at the time, okay, that I could ever be introduced to. Um, And he was, because he was part of my dad's friendships, okay, those relationships, uh, and around the family all the time uh, abuse is what we knew. it's not it's he he was the safety, if you will, in the mix of a very chaotic childhood at 14 ran away from him and um he's 15 years older than I am. okay, so you can imagine I'm at 14, so that's gonna put him what uh, almost 30 years old ish right. 31 somewhere along in there. And, um, and he got me secluded away from family, away from friends, church. I mean, the whole nine yards and he ruled the roost. Um, I I was not allowed to bat my eyes. I could not, I wasn't allowed to, um, I had to lay the washcloth over the sink in the middle of the sink a certain way. Everything had to be meticulous. And if it wasn't, it was my fault. It was my fault. And and I would get a severe beating for that and uh, usually be choked out, things along those lines. And you might say, why does that even matter in, in the now? Why it matters is because of the work that I've done and the healing process that I could do that once I escaped that and even years later, Okay, that I would learn that this man uh, could be seen from the perspective of a child, this horrible, horrible man. I saw some of the most cruel things come out of this person Um, that at one point in time, he was a child and his dad would uh, tie him to a fence post and beat him with the barbed wire Mm. until he passed out. OK, um, so when I would see him uh, enact elder abuse on his dad for putting a plastic bowl on the stove, OK, because he thought it was a pan. He was in a very much an Alzheimer Alzheimer's type experience or dementia experience. Um, you know, one time I, I saw him just, you know, punch his dad in the face for doing this. And I'm going, what? you know, I just thought it was an abusive adult. It wasn't, this was a man that, that at one point in time was a child who had his dad and his mom do horrible things to him. And he developed not only this insecure, very dysfunctional attachment, okay, to life and other people, but he learned to manipulate his way through life to where, he had friendships, he had connections and stuff, but they were always based on what he wanted, his rightness, his everything. And um, and so, uh, again, I'm sure that there was a whole host of other diagnoses that would be present if we wanted to review that someday. But the point being is that it finally, for me to take back my life, to be able to change my my attachment style, I had to, uh, to own, and this is just for Julia, this is, you know, I'm not suggesting that other people do this, but I had to eventually to heal from my stuff, I had to view him from the child perspective of who he was and what he went through in order to heal the inner child in me. And, and, and I, and I just is, I think it was, as we're talking about disorganized attachment, this was a perfect example. I got to, I had the privilege of being able to live through somebody that was that cruel. Many men and women do not, usually their life will, will, will. Will be the cost. Okay. Um, and, or they just choose to stay in it and, and endure the abuse. And, and I guess what I, I am, com- what's coming out of me is to say is that there is a choice. You can survive it. I am victorious over that, but it takes a tremendous amount of work. It takes bravery that you think that you no longer exist in you because it's been beat out of you uh, or shamed out of you. Um, And for the individual that is experiencing the disorganized attachment, I would implore you to to seek professionals that can help you overcome these things, to help you develop new coping mechanisms, new behavioral techniques. And your road may actually be tougher than the ones that you've abused. And, and that's not to discount the, the ones that are abused. It is to simply say that I, 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 it, it, I think it's a whole being process that has to be retrained when we're dealing with somebody with a disorganized attachment, just the thoughts of Julia. And you guys, sometimes you'll hear me say, this is from the book of Julia. It truly is. So they can take what they want and toss the rest. It's okay. And I think it's important to say.
1: You know, it's it's important that again, uh, as we said in the last podcast, it's important for us to be self-aware. Yes. Uh, yes. So that we can understand where where we where are we, and we're never trapped. We may have feelings that we're trapped, but we're there truly we not, because mm-hmm. we lie to ourselves. And and what do I mean by lying to ourselves is oh. I can have one Oreo cookie when I know I'm going to eat half the package because I They just taste so good that you can't stop mm-hmm. at one, just like a Pringle. Uh, you know, it's that uh, it's understanding that it it takes a lot of deep self work. And do we want to stay where we're where we are, or do we want to move forward? And one of the things that, you know, uh, in dealing with therapy, uh, it's interesting that I find that I get the question, well, am I doing this right? I need validation that I can be okay in this relationship. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. What do you mean that you need to feel okay about this relationship? If you're already having doubts and you're coming into therapy, then there's something wrong with the relationship, bottom line.
0: So we would call that listening and paying attention to the intuition. Uh, I think is, yes, yes, yes. Unless of course you you understand that there are behaviors that need to change. And I and I would state this that it's typically not the partner or the other person that needs to change because we can't change them. Right. What we when we come to therapy, it has to be. And I've heard this. Oh my gosh, And I know you have as well. <laughs> well, they need to change this. Okay. Well, oh, they extremely. don't need to do anything because if you change who you are if you alter if you do your own work one of two things are going to happen either they will level up and make the changes or they can leave and that that is how I see it and um it's uh, but we can't force the changes in them. We can only control the changes within ourselves. And, but that cracks me up. What they need to do. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> no, is that true? They don't need to do anything. <laughs> well, you're in it, therapy. You're there for you. <laughs>
1: but that goes into that fearful avoidance.
0: Yeah. Also does. into yes. that
1: style as well. And so uh, it's it's trying to overcome your fear. Of what's happening. And I'm not the typical therapist. Uh, one of the things that I'm working on my dissertation is that if we can work with marital couples from the state of fear and not Mm -hmm. lack of communication, that's what they got themselves into the first place. We get connected because we communicate. The -hmm. reason we stop communicating is fear, fear Mm -hmm. of rejection, fear of hurt, fear of judgment, fear of your reaction. And so we displace communication because of that fear. Mm-hmm. Well, how does the fear develop is because we're stepping on each other's triggers and that doesn't help from the past landmine. So I try to go into, again, what does that disorganized adult look like? It's that fear of intimacy. And if you really think about our attachment styles, it also... uh Challenges is the way we think about God. Mm-hmm. Growing growing up, I had that attachment style that I was afraid of God because uh, I felt like my parents were that way. There were many gods. You don't do this, zap, you're in trouble. And you know, it's that attachment ambivalence within me that I was a fearful of what's going to happen to me. Yes. But if we get into a secure attachment, it it cuts out a lot of the fear-mongering. And the worrying, and able to have a closer um, intimacy that's there. But when you're in that disorganized, uh, you know the the adult expects and predicts that they'll be rejected by their partner. And a lot of times, uh, I feel that now that you know is uh, oh my gosh, uh, Steve, uh, uh, you're a therapist. I don't know if I can date you. Uh, <laughs> so it's like a leopard here. So you're fearful of an intimacy here. Well, don't you want a guy <laughs> that knows you very well? Well, yeah. And so finally somebody stepped up to the plate and took me. And so I'm spoken for now. And, uh, <laughs> no, you know. single dates for Steve. And this right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's important that we look at, uh, can we change it? We can. But how do we, I think what's more important instead of changing, is how how can we be able to help heal from the disorganized attachment, and that stems from either a, a therapeutic coach like yourself or a psychotherapist like myself that's mm-hmm. going to offer a non-judging, accepting, calm, and predictable space for you yes. to be able to come and talk about uh, your life. Uh, mm-hmm so one other thing is that, that I want to kind of close out with is that, um, I'm a faith-based person. And so a lot of people that come to me are faith-based and they say, well, I'm just don't feel worthy. I don't feel good enough. Uh, and so I say, okay, there's a, there's a scripture that says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to the truth. And I like that passage because, To captivate is to be like a zoo. We capture animals. We're going to observe their behavior. And that's part of therapy. We're going to observe your behavior. And we're going to look at what thoughts come into place that are dysfunctional. Now, Mm -hmm. obedience. Well, it doesn't mean I'm going to whoop your butt because I'm going to make you submit to to obedience here. No, I can point my finger to the sky and my dog will sit. I can point my finger... Uh, down towards the the um, the ground and my dog will lay i'll do a scissors and he'll whisper he'll bark whisper and my dog is so intelligent that i give him a reward because he's obedient so obedience doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation to it like we sometimes believe in but if we take this thought that i'm not worthy and we capture it, and we make it obedient to the truth. Well, the only truth that I know is uh, the Creator. Um, but when when we think about the major population, what is truth? It's something that we we can tend to believe in that seems to be more the norm than not.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when you think about faith-based, well, you said you're you're not worthy, but whose image are you created in? the creators so if you say you're not if you say you're worthy and you're created in his image then you're saying he's not worthy and so we make this thought obedient to the truth that we're wholesome people we are lovable if we allow ourselves to be lovable and when we think about all these attachment styles, one of the things that I I'd like for you to close us out on what is secure attachment when it looks like self-care and true love of self? And it doesn't mean to be selfish. <laughs>
0: Well, and again, I don't have a viewpoint that selfish has to be bad. I think that there are times when we need to be selfish and we need to take care of ourselves. And so secure attachment, honestly, when you're looking at it from a healthy perspective, and I would say in this perspective of a relationship, because that's kind of what we're talking about as well, is that we understand that each partner has the right and the Purpose, the design to take care of themselves. They know how to um, mitigate um, conflict in a way that is is helpful to both parties. They understand that. Um, it is their responsibility to do their own work. And that that sometimes that means that they have to take space. And sometimes it means that they come together in agreement. Um, it means that they're not pulling and tugging on each other, that each person can stand up in their own right and say that I'm choosing you as my partner. And, um, and so I, it's, it's all of that. And it's more, I think that it's a, a time and a space. It's a, it's a, an agreement with self that I can take care of me and, um, and that I, that I am choosing you to be in my life, but I don't need you to be in my life. I desire for you to be a part of this. And I desire to be a part of your journey. And, um, and so those are healthy perspectives. Okay. Versus the, oh my gosh, I need you to, to do this for me. I'm I'm going to fall apart. Um, and, oh, how do I solve this thing? I think that I love this example. You know, if you're one of the more, I'm going to say this insecure attachments, you're, you're it's always going to be from a perspective of, oh my gosh, there's a panic, there's a crisis, there's something going on and right. I need someone else to do it. Versus There is a crisis that's going on. I see it for what it is. And I understand that in order to solve this problem, I may need to get input or assistance from somebody else. But I also know that even if I don't, I can confidently come up with some kind of resolution. Those are two different secure versus insecure ways of looking at life.
1: Can we challenge our thought processes that I'm not good enough? Well, yes, you are good. It's just, where are you surrounding yourself and your belief system? And a lot of times it stems from that foundation of our belief system. As we grow up that sometimes we feel like we're not good enough. The friends that we have in in elementary and high school, we're not good enough because you can't play basketball. White man can't jump, so to speak, you know? And so, we feel like, oh my gosh, I can't do certain things that I'm not good enough. Secure attachment is being aware of self-confidence of who you are as a person. And whose life are you going to live by? Are you going to live by everybody else's puppet strings that you're not good enough? Or are you going to live by healthy, non-sabotaging, ways of healthy coping skills that help you to have a secure attachment that you know what you want. And it doesn't matter what these other people want. Secure attachment is a confident way of being able to live a healthy life. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to have any disruptions or um, dysfunction because you can. Uh, No, I think
0: that's absolutely necessary that we do. That's how we develop and grow. Yes, is that you absolutely will. But it's the choice and how you after you learn certain new coping skills and behaviors that you learn how to address those uh, contradictions or those conflicts uh, differently. And. so that's, that's the key factor, I think, there, is that it will happen. You're going to have disruptions. You're going to have pain. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have conflicts in life. That and I got to disrupt
1: a- us because our time is out. I'm well, so sorry. Well, look at you,
0: Steve. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Until next time, guys. Uh, have Bye, guys. Blessed. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next
0: week. Until then, be safe and be kind. ご視聴ありがとうございました。